Hello and welcome back to the Traction Podcast, where today we're going to be discussing something very near and dear to my heart, specifically a game that just launched on Steam not that long ago, actually, but is somehow topping the racing game charts, as it were, and yet it's from 2018. My name is Justin, and joining me today are, of course, Tom and John. Say hello, guys. Hello, guys. Hello, everybody. (laughs) The The game I am talking about, as you guys will know this already, of course, but the people at home will not know this. The game I'm talking about is, of course, Forza Horizon 4, which has been uh, extremely successful on Steam. No, I mean, I could have told you that was going to happen. I could have predicted that. Nobody likes using the Microsoft Store. Um, I've been using it to play Forza Horizon games for years now, and I can tell you it's terrible, and I hate it, and I wish I could have gotten the game on Steam. So I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that it's on Steam. Uh, it's fantastic. It's doing very well, as we know. Um, the big stat, the key stat here um, that we pulled and, and we talked about was that there was more than 14,000 concurrent players on Steam in its first 24 hours. Uh, which is the the highest of any of any racing game. It's done extremely well. It's done extremely well outside of Steam, as you guys will know as well too. Uh, it's just a hugely popular game. Uh, it has in fact been played by 24 million players since launch, and I assume that includes Game Pass. Though I assume that that's yeah, factoring yeah. in people who got the Game Pass. So it's not people mm-hmm. who purchased the game, but number of people that have played the game. Um, and we're all at different levels of experience. So uh, just for the people at home, I am obsessed with this game. <laughs> I don't play it as much as I used to. Uh, 2021, I've just been too busy and, and playing other games and stuff like that. Cyberpunk took over my life for a little bit. Um, and then, Tom, you've played it a bit, quite a bit. Um, yeah, some hours bit, and stuff but, yeah. um, for traction. For for, right, right. But you've, play, you've played it and, and gotten a feel for it yeah. and... And that kind of stuff. Whereas, John, you are brand spanking it. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. I'm looking forward to talking about it. When did you start playing, gotcha. John? I, I actually started playing uh, this weekend. So when we're recording this. <laughs> oh, um, that is new. Yeah, literally the weekend we're recording this. So uh, and, I, and I promise I did this in preparation for the podcast, not because I was just wanting to flunk <laughs> off and have some fun. But uh, no, it was, it was, yeah, it was really, really good fun. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to discussing it, as I say. Absolutely. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about, actually, is kind of the worst part about this news. Uh, Tom, I'll go to you first on this. How do you feel about a game from 2018 being $60? Oh, yeah, no, I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like it. Um, (laughs) Because ultimately, on on other platforms, on other versions, let's say there's been a game is released, it's got maybe a season pass or DLC or updates over a couple of years, and then there's normally like a game of the year edition or an ultimate edition or complete, which bundles it all together for a, a reduction. We're all sort of programmed to expect that. And here's a game that comes out. Sorry, when did it first come out again, Justin? 2018, late 20. It was like October 2018. So, so we're a couple of years in, many DLC packs in. And yes, while there is some Steam bundles with those packs, it's, it's effectively full price still. So if you want the <laughs> extra DLC... That's still an extra cost. So the actual top of the range ultimate edition, which you'd normally expect for, if that came out for sixty dollars, fine. But it's actually a hundred hundred dollars, eighty five pounds, or ninety nine euros. Uh, that's a lot, but pa- apparently it doesn't matter because people bought it anyway. But it still seems a lot <laughs> to me. 
<laughs> it is a lot. And I mean, I paid the, I bought the $100 version when it came out in 2018. I pre-ordered it right. months in advance, in fact. I was so hyped for it. I played Forza Horizon 3 out the yin-yang, so I was prepared to drop triple-digit mm. figures, uh, despite not really making that much in 2018, actually. <laughs> I was quite poor that year, but I still dropped $100 in advance, uh, months in advance for this game. And so here's the weird thing. It is definitely still worth that price. Yes, but as you said, it's it's really it's just really bizarre. You would expect some kind of, you know, maybe uh, maybe keep the $60 base price mm. at the very least, though, for the launch on Steam. Maybe what they should have done is a 10 percent discount or a 20 percent discount or something yep. like that just to mm-hmm. celebrate the launch of some kind, you know, just to incentivize people. Um, of course, it doesn't transfer over either your data. So if you played on the Xbox or, or through the Microsoft Store and you buy the Steam version, you can't just log into your account and pick up where where you left off. You have to essentially start from scratch. So for people like myself who have been playing for hundreds of hours already on the Microsoft Store, um, there there's no real incentive for for me to, you know, drop $60. I mean, I guess I could just to play with friends who are on Steam, but again, I would be essentially starting from scratch. So yeah. that's not ideal. Um, John, did you pay for it or did you get it through work, actually? <laughs> no, I did. I paid for it. Um, I just wanted to, I, 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 like, obviously, I was joking what I said earlier, you know, um, I... Basically, you talking about Forza Horizon in these podcasts, and as much as I've read about <laughs> it, I've never really been an Xbox person. I've never owned an Xbox, uh, and I just wasn't really in with the Forza series. I was spending a lot of time on sim racing stuff. So for me, talking about it and it, you know, sounded it sounded really fun to me, and it kind of the idea of it brought it back to my childhood. So I kind of just thought, you know what, I'm going to give it a go and give it a play because it does sound like something I'd enjoy. Uh, and I didn't, but I actually didn't buy it through Steam. I did get it through the Microsoft mm-hmm. Store because of the crazy pricing on Steam. So and how that much may was sound, it? Mm-hmm. I got it for twenty five, twenty five pounds with, um, so and that was with one of the, the DLC. Uh, yes, <laughs> less than half the price. Oh, less, less than half the price. Yes. Now on the Microsoft Store on PC. The yes. week after or two weeks after it was on Steam. That's correct. So do they want I mean, it to be a success or not? I don't understand. <laughs> well, but this is, this is the thing, right? So, so I think what a statement that is from the community of Forza players that they will, when, when it's released on Steam, a game that's already available on PC for less money, uh, this, a game that, as you say, is two and a half years old, can go up on Steam and still become in 24 hours the, the most played concurrent racing game of I think it was of all time for that 24 hours yeah. like as in, yeah, yeah, in terms of after hours, launches yeah. despite it being so highly priced and available for much less money for the last few years like that to me is a statement in itself about how much appetite there is for this game or maybe just how naive we are as consumers <laughs> well, I think it, uh, yeah. part of it is also a love for Steam, too. I Definitely. think yeah, gamers I think get so. very locked in. You know what I mean? Like if you try to, um, I mean, look at Mixer. Mixer wasn't all that great because people wanted to stick with Twitch and YouTube and stuff like that. You know, yeah. gamers get locked in. People love Steam. They already have, in some cases, thousands, maybe even tens of thousands of dollars of games on their Steam library already. Why would they want to play on any other platform? And, and I, you know, I totally... I do totally get that. I totally I get that too. That. Yeah. For, yeah. For me, so Justin, you bought it day one on PC through the Microsoft Xbox store, right? And John, yeah. you got it on a discount recently. And there's lots of people playing it on Steam. I haven't bought it, but I have uh, Game Pass at the minute. And I think that's <laughs> quite interesting. I don't know if you want to talk about that, Justin, or not. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so 
to clarify, now now that I've played it and put a lot of hours into it, I'm I'm at a crossroads because I don't want Game Pass anymore. Um, listen, I think it's a really good service for lots of people out there. And I know there's huge fans, but the the games on there at the minute are for me. So I've had these multiple one pound per or one dollar trials just so I could play like Forza Horizon Four. So I've got through it a lot, and now it's at the point of where well, I'm going to cancel Game Pass. I don't want to pound eight pound. I don't want to pay £8 a month or $8 a month, $10 a month just to play Forza Horizon, right? Because over time, that's going to be even more than the Steam price. <laughs> so now it's like, do I call it quits and start again on Steam or then, or do I cave in and buy it on the, on the Microsoft Store again? I'm, I'm not sure where I go next, but that's, that's the current and scenario. You can play with everybody no matter which platform you get it on, just to clarify for yes, the people can. at home. Yeah. So, so yeah, even if you're playing on Steam, you can play with your friend who's on Xbox or who's playing on PC through the Microsoft Store. That part, is not a problem, which I think is perfect. That's It's great that they've done that. I think that's kind of like bare minimum of what they needed to do with a Steam release. I really would have liked it if I could have, you know, transferred over my stuff. Mm. I, I happily would, I think I would have actually paid, um, you know, some sort of uh, some sort of price. I don't, I don't know right. if, if, if I would have had to pay 100 for the ultimate version, but I would have paid money probably to transfer over to, to Steam just to be able to use Steam, you know, to update the game, to manage the game, to invite friends through the game and stuff like that. It's the Xbox app on PC isn't the best in terms of managing the party and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. If, if I could come in on that one as well, Justin, I think that, you know, for me, because I was new to the series, it felt like a really big uh, financial commitment to go through the Steam on the full price, which is why I went for going for the Microsoft Store. For like, Because the thing for me, it wasn't about, oh, this game is now available on Steam, I need to get it. It was, okay, everyone's talking about it and it's got me excited for it and now I feel like it's time to try it. So the Steam part was irrelevant for me. However, what I would say is now having used it for a few days and actually realizing how much I'm enjoying the game, now I think if you said to me, you know, would you pay, you know, 10, 20 pounds and transfer it to Steam? I probably would, because I am one of those people that we talked about where I collect games on Steam. It's an easy access place to go. As you say, the updates are simple. It means that you can forget about a game for 10 years and still see it in your list 10 years later and re-download it and try it again. There's so many things going for Steam as a platform that for me, now that I now that I know I am enjoying the game enough and it's worth it for me, I would have happily paid full price and I would have it on Steam. But I, ha- I didn't want to take that risk on the first attempt. Um, right. So... You know, I think I think there's definitely you can see why people have done it and paid so much for it, but it just it does seem mad when you don't really know the circumstances of that. You know, just when you think of it as as simple as okay, here's a two and a half year old game that's already been released, but it's on a new platform and it's more than double the price. To think that it's so popular seems a bit crazy, but when you start thinking of all the different things about it, it kind of makes a bit of sense. I, I just one final point, sorry, because I, I know this is not a podcast about the price of the Forza, right? It's more about the celebration of why it's good, but. But I just want one small thing I'd like to mention is even with the ultimate ultimate edition, you don't get the new Hot Wheels DLC, which is another ten dollars. <laughs> so that could have been another good incentive on Steam on launch, right? But anyway, didn't happen. No, you're exactly right. Um, so yeah, I wanted to kick things off with that kind of downside to it because that is yeah. really yeah, the only right. major downside to to it coming out on Steam is. The price on Steam is a little bit crazy, and you can't transfer over if you were playing. Um, and also, it, just uh, again for people at home, you know, if you're a PC only gamer and you're looking to get into Forza, uh, and you know, you know other people and stuff like that, then absolutely pick it up on Steam. 
you could John says he wishes he had gotten it on Steam. <laughs> so yeah, totally do that. But if you're, for example, somebody who uh, has both an Xbox and a PC and you want to be able to play on both of them and stuff like that, uh, the play anywhere stuff that only works through the Microsoft store. So you'd have to buy it through Which there. Which makes sense. Um, exactly. Exactly. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about and another reason why I think this game is still is, is so successful in 2021 um, is it looks fantastic. And maybe you guys uh, will disagree with me on this. It's maybe not the best looking racing game. Um, we did just have that article not that long ago about uh, taking pictures in a set of course of competizione. And my God, that looks good. You know, it's, it's hard to argue against that possibly being the best looking racing game that's out right now. But Forza Horizon 4 still looks really good. And it's had two years of being optimized and patched and updated and all these things. So it runs even better than it did when it initially came out. So you can really jack those settings up and still get a really high frame rate and stuff like that. Would you guys agree? Or do you think maybe it's too cartoony, too saturated with the colors? No, no, no. It's it looks great, I, and for the type of game it is, it's amazing. The detail in the cars is very high. I think it looks a lot better than the last Forza Motorsport. Um, it looks better than a lot of other games coming out recently. And for me, it's the great uh, combination of the looks, but also sort of the destructibility of the environments, which is quite cool. You know, it looks good, and also it's deformable, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't believe uh, how many cars are in this game but not only that how well they're modeled you know i remember there was a big thing a few years ago with gran turismo i think it was gran turismo 5 where they had certain cars had uh, spent loads of time in modeling the interiors and other cars they hadn't put as much time into and there was a whole big thing about how long it takes to actually get the modeling right when it comes to interiors and stuff like that it might not have been gran turismo 5 it might have been a different one but no the was, thing about um, Forza definitely was yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So the thing about Forza for me that shocked me is not only how good it looks, and as you say, the destructible stuff is incredible. You know, the the quality of that is so so high, and the fact that it's so everything is so movable uh, is is phenomenal. Really, I don't know how they manage that, but for me, it's the detail of the cars and the interiors and stuff as well. Every single car you get into, I'm instantly going to cockpit cam because I want to see what it looks like. And everyone has character. Everyone has unique things about it. It's not just you know a few generic things with a few different badges. If you, and I don't know if this is, I don't know if I'm factually correct here, but it seems to me like. Like almost every single car has its own unique cockpit to match the real one and i think that it looks fantastic i would not complain about the looks whatsoever it yeah it really does and we are going to get into the wheel stuff a little bit later because you, you touched on going into uh into cockpit view we are we are going to touch on that just a little bit further but um but yeah i've seen even people that kind of use the looks and the aesthetic of the game um, for content creation, you know what I mean? It, with Forza Horizon, I see content creators who are doing drifting videos and stuff set to music. And, um, you know, they have the drone stuff. There's photo mode as well. You see a lot of really, yep. really good photos coming out of Forza Horizon. If you uh, follow the Forza Horizon Twitter account like I do, um, you'll see they're very active uh, in supporting people when they're, you know, posting pictures of the game and stuff like that. Um, and I think that kind of actually takes us very nicely, segues very nicely into customization. So Forza is very well known for, you know, being able to customize your car, not quite to the level of like Need for Speed Underground when it comes to like um, bumpers and changing the actual yeah, the shape of the stuff. car. Exactly. You can paint it like crazy. Um, there's no like underglow kits or anything like that. So again, that's where it kind of differentiates itself from um, maybe the Need for Speed games and stuff like that. But um, but I can I, I've I've not been one to go in and do a paint job because it can take so long just to even 
craft a single logo that goes onto a paint job. It can take you know, hours of, of your day. So I've never gone too much. You know, there's some cars in my garage where I painted it red and then I gave it some stripes, you know, two white stripes going down the middle and that's, that's it. That's my level. Same. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, same for me. That, that's about all I'm willing to do. Maybe paint the rims and tint the windows and yeah, and that's it. But some people, they really go into a whole nother level when it comes to this game where they will um, they will craft their own uh, paint scheme and they'll put the wide body kit on and they'll take the car to a very specific location in that open world. They'll wait for a certain time of day and a certain season um, and they'll go into the photo mode and they'll take that picture of that car with their paint scheme. And it's just so much customization goes into it and the, the user generated stuff. Um, you can... I mean, we haven't even touched on this either, but you can even make your own tracks now as well. That was something that was introduced not at launch, but very, very shortly after. Clearly, they had been working on it, and I think they had hoped to get it out in time for launch, but I think it just missed the launch window. Um, but in addition to you know doing your own paint jobs, which you could do in, in the previous series games uh, as well, but now you can also make your own track as well in that, in that open world environment. Um, Tom, I'll start with you. Is that... You, you mentioned, you know, that's the level of customization, customization you're going for on your cars, just, you know, some stripes or something simple mm -hmm. like that. Have you gone so far as to have you used the photo mode? Have you made your own tracks, stuff like that? Yeah, so the, the photo mode's really cool. It's just up on the D-pad, I think, by default. And it does mm -hmm. that sort of uh, nice effect, which, which masks the detail, which makes it look better, where it's like a, a panning shot which uh, mm -hmm. GT Sport also does really well. You know, you look at the photos and you're like, holy moly, the game doesn't look <laughs> quite that good. But it's but <laughs> just generally in racing games, a lot forget to incorporate a really good photo mode, and that really helps uh, promote the game because people then it creates a culture and a following, and people share it on social media and, like you said, you follow the account on Twitter. So it's really good that they've uh, used that in this game. But I haven't got around to um, creating my own tracks, and I was wondering actually if you could explain something. So sometimes I rock up to an event in the game, and then it gives me the option of creating something there or what what actually mm -hmm. what's the super seven stuff that was released i've not dipped into that i think it was sumo digital did something at the end of last year so i don't know if you played that weirdly i actually haven't done too much with the super seven stuff but it's sort of taking that uh track customization that track creator right. uh and just upping it to another level because previously um it was very simplistic what you would do is you would go to a race one um one of those starting mm. points and you could create your own route starting there. So you can't have right. your own race start just anywhere in the world at the top of a mountain but, or in the middle of a river or anything like that. Wherever you have to do to it. travel to already. I yeah, mean, exactly. Right. Wherever That's there's a, saying, yeah. a, an event from uh, turn yeah. 10 or, or playground games, an official event. If there's an official event there, you can, you can start a race there. The super right. seven stuff takes it up a little bit because with the regular track creation, you you have a starting point, and then you put down checkpoints as you go, and then you and then you pick the ending point, and that's pretty much it. Uh, it's really really simplistic. The Super Seven stuff adds another level with like ramps, and you can position items and all oh, kinds of I things see. like that. Yeah, so it More it just extreme. ups it even exactly exactly, which I think works really well with Forza's kind of Forza Horizons brand that they've been going for um, with the recent releases of just pure insanity things that would never happen in in real life whatsoever, you know. And I think that's part of the appeal of it. Uh, John, being so new. I won't ask if you've actually created a track. I can't imagine you've actually gone. I, I you know, you have all that 
out before you, you know, the whole of Forza Horizon 4, and you're like, I'm going to make a circuit. No, I can't <laughs> imagine that happened. Uh, have you, you know, uh, driven any custom tracks or anything like that, or have you stuck to only the first-party stuff? I've not. So the thing about Forza Horizon 4 as a new user, and I'm sure some of you listening will have experienced a similar thing, is there is so much going on that it's yeah. quite tricky to allow yourself to try everything. So I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm almost having a fight with the game constantly to try and keep myself on track and actually keep myself focused on doing certain things because I'm almost finding it quite, and I'm, I don't mean this in a bad, I'm loving it so far, but I'm finding it quite tricky sometimes to, to get through, wade through all of the, the new mm-hmm. stuff that's flashing up and trying to get me to try this and do this. And it's hard to sometimes tell, you know, what's the base game? What, what, is the, what is my progress that I'm trying to make here compared to what are these new one-off events, one-day events, single-day photo challenges? Uh, oh, here's an event, but it's got a timer on it, ends in a day. I don't know if I'll gain anything from doing that. Well, there, there's a lot going on uh, and, it's, and it's really good, but making a track is something I haven't tried. Uh, what I wanted to do first was play the game and try and get through the, the general career mode in the way Same that it was yeah. intended. Yeah. Um, and that makes yeah. it a bit boring but I'm, I'm really looking forward to trying some of the custom stuff especially your massive long rally stage justin because what i will say is um some of the dirt racing stuff i've tried so far you know we we're talking about livery customization one of the first the first dirt car i picked up in fact was the 92 escort and i looked nice. at the liveries and there's a bunch of different real world rally liveries that people have created so i've got like a, mm-hmm. a mid-90s um british and scottish rally championship the the, uh, the michelin pilot um escort oh, the the early 90s. One. Yeah, yeah yeah for the perthshire rally and i've got that livery on it and when i was driving some of the rally stages especially the one down the mountain um it was just awesome uh, awesome to do and that made that really added to it i think as well having that kind of customizable paint job stuff i i'm rubbish at it personally but i love the fact that you can download other people's and stuff like that if i could just jump in here i know we're talking about the personalization but just one small point yeah as an as a newcomer there is a lot to do especially but that's because we've come to it two years late Exactly. Like Justin yeah. would have less of a distraction because he's playing through. Then a month later, there's a new thing. Then there's a, two years later, there's this other mode. I would yeah, say yeah. there is a slight, it is slightly confu- not confusing, but overwhelming. Because it's, yeah, yes, 100%. There is so but it's much good, to do right? If you're starting out two years later. Because yeah. if I'm Justin, I, I'm going to want new stuff. I'm going to want something to make take the game experience further. Oh, yeah, so yeah. For, for me, like the first barn find for me was such a thrill. It was like, oh, wow, I need to go and you know find it. This is going to be tough. I didn't know where to look. Uh, I was all over the place uh, and I was properly excited about it. But I'm sure that kind of stuff is, you know, if you get used to it and you do a lot of it, you're looking for new things. You're looking for a Super 7, for example. You're looking for the DLC and the Lego and the, the stunt, extra stunt driving challenges and stuff like that. Um, also, just before we move on as well, the customization stuff, the photo mode is another example of that for me where there just it feels a little bit overwhelming because i discovered that if you take screenshots of cars you can you can build up the collection that way so i started thinking right so what to do is every time i get a new car i'll, I'll take a photo of it and then i can start building up this collection because i get rewards and to be honest what it's, it's meant is that i i've kind of forced myself into this into this kind of drag where I get new cars all the time and constantly whenever I jump in them, the first thing I need to do is take a photo of them. And I've got to the point where I don't even care how bad the photo is. I just need to press the buttons and process <laughs> right. it yeah. and take F12. it. So, so my experience with, with photo mode is just time-wasting frustration trying to get an objective. But I can see how much... Uh, I can see if you put the passion into it and you really cared about the photos, which um, I'm not at the stage of yet, uh, I can see how good it can be because the quality is great. And the only thing is I couldn't find a way to change the height. And it's clearly a setting there. But as an, as an yeah, idiot yeah. coming to it for the first time, I found it so awkward trying to work out how to actually change the height. Um, but other than that, no, it's, it's cool. And the customization is awesome. 
it's not super intuitive the controls on the drone camera and stuff like that um yeah. i found i found that as well uh also top tip for uh getting as many pictures of cars as you can uh make your own events set it to anything goes and then right yes. at the start of the race take a picture of everything in front of you and everything behind you. So two It's funny that you say that, right? It's funny because I I, I realized that the first time, so I jumped in a new car at the start of a race and I thought, oh, I'll take a photo of it during the race, right? And it popped up with like seven new cars on the list. So so now, but now it's got to the point though, and this is, this is what I mean about it being a bit overwhelming where I feel like it's an objective in the game to try and take photos of all these cars, right? But it's now got to the point where every time I, yeah, every time I do a new race, I pick a car I've never driven before and I take a photo at the start. So I never, do a normal race start anymore every race start is a is is me getting a photo so it kind of it almost just makes it a little bit a little bit much i will agree and also um the ui isn't ultra friendly like i've tried to share my rally my, my you know custom routes and stuff like that with people in the past and now they have the share codes but the share codes don't work with every event like i've got events where if i go and hit the button to get the share code it just gives me an error no matter what I, I've, I've tried it on Xbox. I've tried it on PC. It's just that I made that event during a time when share codes didn't exist or something. And so now it just refuses to give me a share code. Oh, and yeah, and if I go to my my blueprint area in the menu system, there isn't just a list of all the custom routes that I've created. And I'm like, why? Why? <laughs> Why would you not just give me a list of here's all your races that you've made? Like, it's so simple. And it's just tiny things like that in the UI that have really, really bugged me. Like, they seem to overcomplicate things a lot. And it's like, you know, I, I maybe they're just going for style elements. Like, they want it to be these cool tiles and stuff. And they don't want just mm. a, an alphabetical list because they think an alphabetical list looks boring and dull or something like that. But I think you know, it's a legacy of uh, Microsoft when it was trying to put tiles and everything, right? And do you think they were yeah, trying yeah, to yeah, yeah. That? Windows Remember 8? Windows was Definitely. That yeah. Thinking yeah. Of so maybe for the next one, they'll change it. Like the, the, really, the really situation so. where I found was an issue was like the, the festival playlist stuff. So I'm still learning how the game functions and how it progresses. So uh, when I got through all the seasons, playlist. I didn't know how the, the seasons were going to progress. And suddenly I had this thing popping up with tiles, festival playlists. And I thought, right, are these the next mandatory events I need to complete? Is it now coming up on a list? And it took me so long to actually try and differentiate between like what's base game content that really builds you up and what's just daily events and stuff like that and it's it's almost as if they're trying so hard to make it look nice that you become a bit lost to how to actually function it Uh, i find that with the menus as well i find that the menus are a little bit there's too much going on there's too many different options even though i don't have most of the dlc i've got eight different option menu options with different dlc bits that i can't access but they're all there anyway and if i you know if i win a car at an auction how do i get that i've got to go into a particular my auction page and go into the bid and then go in the car and then get it it's not as if i can just it's, it's not it's not obvious it's not simple and that's where the ui becomes a little bit too much yep yeah, and I really do hope that they do a big overhaul for Forza Horizon 5 um, in terms of that, because I really do think there's a lot of easy wins in terms yeah. of just you know keeping it user-friendly and making things easy, and especially because they now have 24 million people that have played this game, you know what I mean? So the next one, they need to really nail it because they've got literally tens of millions of people that are going to you know be interested in, in seeing how that game 
uh, comes out anyway. So, okay, let's let's move on from customization. We spent we could have done a whole episode apparently just on customizations and custom tracks and all of that kind of stuff. Um, what I wanted to move on to now was actually what John touched on earlier, which was controller versus wheel. Um, now we've all got different experiences. I have done a lot of wheel with some controller. So I would say the vast majority of my hours in Forza Horizon games, that's Horizon 3 and 4. Horizon 2 and 1 weren't available on PC. I'm a PC gamer, um, so I haven't played Horizon 1 and 2. Um, I just jumped in at 3. But um, I jumped in at 3 with a Thrustmaster TMX uh, racing wheel, um, which was like brand new right around the time, actually, that Horizon 3 was coming out. So those uh, actually kind of coincided really, really well. Um, But recently... Uh, I just can't be bothered to hook up my wheel for Forza, if I'm honest. You know, if I want to play some Forza, I just grab my controller. It's right there. You know, it's so much easier. I don't have to go in the closet and tighten things up and hook things up. You mean you don't have a sim rig just for Forza Horizon? Well, I'm hoping to get a sim rig just for Forza Horizon, if I'm honest, because I'm that kind of loser. But... At the moment, I just can't be bothered. So, yeah, these days I've been playing it a lot on controller. Uh, John, you've only played it on wheel. Is that right? That is correct, yeah. Yeah. And, Tom, you've only played it on controller. Is that Uh, right? I've just recently tried it with a wheel just in preparation for this podcast. You did? Okay. 90% on the controller. Okay, okay, yeah. So we're all at different levels when it comes to... I'll go ahead and ask you guys your thoughts first, and then I'll jump in at the end just to give my experiences with both of them. Let's start with Tom on the controller, since that's how most people are going to be playing it, if we're honest. Yeah, 99%, yeah. Even yeah, people yeah. with Definitely. wheels will often not play Horizon uh, with their wheel, which I think is a mis- mistake, and we'll get into that. But, uh, Tom, what would <laughs> you make of it on controller? No, I love it on a controller. It's nice and easy to drift. Um, it's very, very straightforward and easy to play, and it's very satisfying uh and straightforward to control all the cars it's very rare that you'll actually like sort of spin out would you say predictable and, yeah yeah predictable is a good word for it yeah yeah you, you you know okay this is a hypercar i've got to be a bit easier on the throttle but you can still control it on a controller you know obviously a more dare i say it, simulation focused game you'd have to be much more gentle with the controls therefore forza mm-hmm. is horizon is much more suited for the controller in my opinion and that's what i prefer to play with uh but the fact that it does work with a wheel shows up the Motorsport series and the last three versions of those, which aren't very good in my opinion, but I have upset <laughs> a lot of people with that opinion. So, uh, yeah, it works great with the controller, and that's my preferred method, but I have tried it with a wheel, and it was okay too. I have one small question about that, but we'll come to that in a bit. What, uh, just before we switch to John to get his thoughts, what wheel did you try it on? A Logitech. Okay, because that, that does the, matter the when it comes to... Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that so does maybe matter. My on one question case. might be related to that in particular, which will circle back. <laughs> to, yes. Uh, but John, how did you feel? And obviously, you are like a hardcore sim guy. You mentioned that you know you've been really into hardcore sims recently, and maybe that's why uh, Horizon didn't get much of a look from you when it was you know coming to PC um, in 2016 and 2018 with Horizon three and four. Um, but you said you were you were enjoying it on a wheel. So what did you think of it? So I went into it with the expectation that it was going to be pretty rubbish on a wheel, but it was still, I wanted to have fun with it and try it and then maybe jump on a controller, um, you know, because I, I, I'm totally for games that work better on a controller if it's that kind of game. I have no problem with that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. No Controllers are so much more accessible um, and I'm more than happy totally. to sacrifice wheel support if a game feels good on a controller uh, and it's not meant to be a hardcore sim. So I, I jumped on it and I tried the wheel and 
my very first impressions in the first few minutes were a little bit iffy, but what it turned out to be was the the degree of rotation setting was a bit of an issue for me. And what oh, I found, right, I which is, yeah, yeah. So, so what I found at first when I was playing it is I was using the, trying it on the cockpit camera with the steering wheel. Okay, that's the key part here. So there's two cockpit cameras. There's one with the wheel and one without the wheel. Now, the one with the wheel, in game, the driver only turns this wheel 90 degrees. Okay. That's yep. it. So I'm thinking, yep. okay, Stop's this there. Is <laughs> I, I need to change my wheel rotation to match him. So I tried changing my profiler to match. It didn't work. So I thought, right, I'll go 900 because that's what should be right. And I found that, okay, it matches what he's doing, but it stops halfway. That's fine. And then I was driving some rally stuff. Uh, in the, in, thing, in, the, in the first bit, you do one race from each season. And it was the bit in the Fiesta against the motorbikes. And I couldn't keep the thing on the road because every time I was trying to slide, it was getting 90 degrees. And I, I, fi- I assumed you couldn't steer anymore, right? And I was going, okay, I can't really control the slides properly. This is really tricky. Now, everything changed for me when I discovered that when you steer more than 90 degrees, the game registers it. And it does steer more than 90 degrees, even though the, the visual <laughs> issue is there, right? So I started using the cockpit camera without the steering wheel and yes. honestly i i cannot i cannot emphasize to you guys enough how much this transformed <laughs> the experience of the game and i have nothing but good words for it you know i was doing at first when i got into the rallying side of things there was actually one of the events was as i mentioned earlier uh, a run in in a rally car down the down the mountain near the the glenfiddich viaduct and it was a kind of looping road a winding uh, road lots of hairpins and I was doing it in the Escort 92. I didn't want to, I didn't want to modify it. I wanted to keep it standard because it was a really nice rally spec. And there was a brief moment where I felt like I was playing Dirt Rally 2.0. It honestly felt incredible. I could slide the thing. It was natural. I could treat it like a racing drive. I know I should I'm upset a lot of people by saying that. Ooh. But hopefully <laughs> I'll get some Forza fans on side. And that is not my intention. I you want to be honest. did a brief moment though. So you didn't say right, it. No, honestly, right. honestly, it was, yeah. it was so, so good. And now I'm not, the thing is, right, when you drive a lot of these hypercars and stuff, there's no way they stick to the road like they do in the game. That's no one's, no yeah. one's debating that. Okay. You can drive at 150 no, no, miles no. an hour in and out of traffic around uh, sharp corners and it's fine that is not realistic but it feels manageable which is the important thing when it comes to the rally stuff and the cars that are actually meant to be fast um they they handle really really nice and honestly as soon as you get rid of that stupid 90 degree wheel visual I- issue and, it, <laughs> and actually and, and get it out of your head and start driving it with the using the wheel you're actually using it handles really really nicely and for me i was like i was just in sh- i was like i almost felt like turning around to all my sim racing mates and be like guys like go and try forza horizon 4 honestly I've uh, it's, it's I've really, done that. really good fun. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, as I say, I'm, I came at this uh, expecting to not really find the driving very good from a neutral point of view, but with those expectations. And I am honestly saying it's really, really good fun. So that was what you were going to bring up, Tom? Was the 90 degree thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, like the game plays well with the wheel, provided you don't use the view with the wheel. Yeah. Yes. Because the actual animation doesn't animate the wheel correctly. So you, it throws you off a bit. Exactly. And that's uh, actually a relatively new thing. And that's one of the few examples of them actually listening to the community, I think. Um, A really good example of that, in fact, because um, I think for the entirety of Forza Horizon 3, that was the only view. Uh, and and then it was like it was like a year into Forza Horizon 4 or something. I'm probably getting this completely wrong, but I remember it was a patch. It's not right. like it came that's out a, a like that. Game changer. It, it really is. It really is. It changed everything. And I do think, in particular, all-wheel drive rally stuff is really where Forza Horizon shines. Um, and it, and you're right. I, I, I have had that exact feeling. There are times where you actually feel one with the car in Forza Horizon, 
and that's not something that I've I've felt very often in sim racing. Um, you know, it's something I've experienced in actual driving, where you know the wheel, the front wheels almost become like your front feet. Like you know where they are relative to you, and you can just position that car exactly where you need to be. And this could be just while you're driving around, you know, at at, at speed limit speeds and stuff like that. You know, you could just feel that connection with with a car. And I feel like Forza Horizon is one of uh, Forza Horizon Four in particular with the rally cars is one of those few times where I have really felt connected with a virtual car. It's really strange, really hard to explain. But I will say there are a growing number of people, and especially in 2020, you might remember a lot of racing drivers driving in iRacing and going, "This is way harder than real life." So which is it? You know what I mean? Everybody's saying that Forza Horizon has way too much grip, that it's not realistic. People are saying iRacing has not nearly enough grip. It's not oh. nearly re- uh, realistic enough in that regard. So, What, what I would say is I, iRacing and these kind of sims are realistic. They maybe just don't always feel realistic because you, you the same inputs would do the same things, but you have less feeling. Therefore, mm-hmm. you don't have the same experience of fear, of distance, perception. You're looking mm-hmm. at a tiny screen mm-hmm. instead of a whole windscreen, and you don't have the, seal, the feeling through the seat of your pants. It's a totally separate topic that you know we've right. talked about before, but it's uh, I think that it's made harder than real life because of those aspects, not because the individual inputs are, are things that are unrealistic. Forza Horizon 4 right. is unrealistic. It, I mean, it, it makes it as clear as it possibly can from the start with, you know, even, <laughs> even the style of the game leads into that. You know, we're, we're at a festival. There's no way in a million years this would ever happen. That's why it's so cool. Let's just pretend it could, right? And the driving totally matches that. And it doesn't matter because the, it's, it's easier than something like iRacing. Okay, it's not realistic in the way it drives and stuff like that. But I think it maybe is easier for a racing driver who struggles with something like iRacing would maybe find Forza Horizon 4 easier. One thing I would say though as well, like I, I use the H pattern shifter for the rally cars um, when they matched. Like, So if the car in game was meant to use an H pattern shifter, I would use my H pattern shifter. The only mm-hmm. big complaint I do have is the clutch. I thought the clutch was awful. So what I ended up doing mm-hmm. was it just felt really unnatural and difficult and, and it kind of just ruined the experience for me. So what I did was just turn it onto an automatic clutch and still use the shifter, but without the clutch. And that transformed it. Oh. For me, that was a big issue. But that's, that's yeah. a, another side thing. I don't think I've many never... people will be playing this game for the, for the clutch, though, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I must confess, I've never used manual clutch. In fact, I've never used an H-pattern shifter either as well for it. Uh, the only thing I've ever uh, done is just paddle shifters. Um, and I think that maybe goes back to the TMX that I started on, because of course uh, you only get throttle and brake uh, with the with the Thrustmaster TMX. You don't even get a clutch pedal. I have the T three hundred RS GT whatever uh, one now that does have a clutch pedal. But even when I was using that, I I still never use the clutch because again, no H pattern. You know, it's weird to do the clutch with the paddle shifters. Definitely, I've never yeah. done that before. Uh, so I, I I've always just done manual transmission without. Uh, with the auto clutch, like like you described, but without, yeah, just the paddle shifters on it as well. Um, and yeah, it, it, I've always, it, but I will say, as Tom said, it's predictable. So it's unrealistic, but it still feels predictable and right somehow. So it's it's like they've somehow balanced the cars so that every car is 10% grippier than it should be. But it, it's always 10%. It's not like some cars are 50% and some cars are negative 20%. You know what I mean? And they're all over the place. Somehow everything just feels like it should. And, and you're right. It ha- things have more grip than they should. And it's, it's not realistic in that regard. But it's somehow balanced as well, too. And I think they've done a great job. There are some imbalances. 
I feel like that's going to come when you have that many cars and people have free reign over, um, you know, customization and gearing and aerodynamics and all that kind of stuff. People are going to find a car that is broken. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's inevitably going to happen. There's just a handful of cars that can do uh, faster than 270 miles an hour, or maybe there's only one still, I can't remember. Um, so there's weird kind of, you know, things that you encounter in the game like that. But I think, again, that's a result of the game just having so many cars to choose from, um, which was another thing that we were going to get onto. Let's get onto it now. It's a good segue. Is it too many cars? <laughs> what do you guys think? Are you happy to have that many? Personally, I'll jump in with my opinion first on this one, actually. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's fantastic. I love the number of cars. I love that there are cars I don't own yet in the game after playing for 300 hours. Is it too much, though, for you guys? Is it daunting, overwhelming? No, it's not too much. Um, it's a little confusing how they don't explain the auction, or, but John's already covered that at the start. You know, not every car's in the dealership, but it's still really cool, and it's a good car collecting element of it. I think one challenge they've got going into the next generation and a new game is if they start from scratch, the game might not have as many cars as the fourth version of the game, and it's going to be a tricky thing for them to balance, so they're probably just going to have to build upon what they've got. Um, but I, I really like the number of cars. I really like the collection thing. The auction system where you're actually bidding real time against other people is really neat. I just don't think cool. it's described as well. But uh, the only thing I would say is, um, and apologies if this is the wrong part of this podcast, Justin, but I ended up with, weirdly, the same car as John, the Escort, to start with, the Cozzy, and then mm. basically I haven't really, I mean, I have got other cars and I have used them, but I don't feel like there's a, enough of a need or a pull to switch up some of the cars sometimes. So I ended up mm-hmm. doing loads and loads of event in this one car without fully realizing Ah, okay. If I change the car, the AI rivals at each event change with me. That's a whole interesting thing. But that's more mm-hmm. a game mechanic than the cars. The car choice is amazing. And John, uh, my yeah. So I, <laughs> funnily enough, I have an opinion on this, and it's quite a strong one. I think that the car choice and the amount of range is phenomenal, and I think it's that's one of the best parts about it. I was looking through the dealership the first time, and I could not believe how many different cars there were. I was like, is this a joke? Is this is, Are these all drivable? Um, and then I discovered after that the auction and stuff, there's other cars in there that you can't even buy in the dealership, but uh, there is a slightly annoying thing for me, and I, this might just be because I don't know the game well enough, and you guys might totally correct me on this, but when you're looking at an auction, and there's there's usually like only a minute to go when you can see these featured auctions coming up, my problem is I never really know if that car, I, like I don't have the time to learn all the cars in the, in the dealership. So I'm never fully sure if like, if I, you know, is this car even available in the dealership? Whether I'm, you know, I want to buy it if I know it's not available and it's at a good price, but there's no, I don't know if there's any quick way of checking if that car is also available. Uh, you know, I, I want to know if a car is, is rare because I want to know that I'm not missing out on it or I'm going to give it a go. Um, the, the issue for me with the cars is definitely not the amount there are. It's the amount you're given and it's the lack of importance when it comes to what races you're doing, right? So I had a I had a really big problem with this because I was loving the game at first when I felt like I only had a few cars. As Tom was saying, I had the Escort, I had a Focus, uh, and then I bought myself my first car, right? And it was like, I've saved up my money, I've bought this car, I'm so excited to drive it. This is cool, it's faster, it's an Alpha Quadrifoglio, it looks amazing. I can't wait to do some races in it. 
Uh, and then I realized I had some messages and it was like, welcome to Forza. Here's some gift cards. Oh, yeah. here's oh, a God. oh God. Here's, a, yeah. here's two Lamborghinis. Yeah. 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 And I was like, all right, okay, this is fine. So then, so then I was like, this is really annoying, but fair enough. So I went through and, and I thought, right, I'll try all these cars at least once. I don't want to have any cars I've not tried. Uh, but then suddenly I was like, right, I've got nine super wheel spins. Don't know where that came from. And then I'm getting yeah. super wheel spins and I'm winning two cars at a time and some horrible hat. And I'm like, okay, uh, the problem for me then instantly became all of that special feeling of like building up and earning enough money to buy a nice car that you used to get with Gran Turismo is totally gone because for me there was I kind of had the opposite problem from Tom I wanted to try all of my cars that I owned and therefore it, it took away any special feeling it was like right I've got a one kilometer drive to my next checkpoint let's try this one okay I've got a race now let's try another one I've not tried before and when you actually do the racing it really doesn't matter what car you pick because the AI are always the same speed as you so it doesn't matter if you've spent you know, uh, a few races building up your escort and putting more power in it to make your chance of winning higher yeah. because it doesn't make a difference. It just means, it you know, your, your rivals will be faster. So it, you can race in any car in the game. And that that for me is the one biggest negative I have with that. I felt completely overwhelmed. I don't want 35 cars in my garage that I can use at any time. I want to feel like I've earned it and bought it. Fair enough, the odd gift Certainly is Certainly really, not really that cool. quick. Exactly, yeah. right, exactly. It's too fast. Um, I, yeah, and then suddenly I've got like, um, where can I go from a McLaren Senna? You know, I drive that. <laughs> And it's like, right, now I've, I want to go buy an old Ferrari that's fast, but I've reached the peak. Yeah, I, I can't go faster than that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that takes away from it a little bit for me. And suddenly the old slower cars become really annoying to drive. Okay. But there's a yeah. joy, isn't there, Justin, in rare cars that you can only get through certain events. Could you explain that? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were so, explain- uh, Justin was telling me, like, oh, this Nissan, you've got to buy this Nissan. And I was like, really? Do I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I could touch on both of these, actually. So, um, yeah, my fa- my favorite example of that is the Nissan Pulsar. Um, and it's because I go. love that car. I love the Nissan Pulsar. I think it's, well, it's so too. cool. It's a it's a two-door shooting brake hatchback, um, or I guess three-door, you would say. You would call it a three-door. Um, oh, yeah, we call it three-door just to be weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird, all-wheel yeah. drive, turbocharged, two, uh, I think it was uh, the SR20 DET engine the same one that you would find in the 200 sx or the sylvia Very specific nissan engine knowledge there justin <laughs> that's right that's right um and i love i love the nissan pulsar it's not a car you will ever see in america ever it's like very japanese very australian i don't even think it sold very mm. well in the uk and europe i think it was very very australian and japanese uh they're around pulsar. so they introduced it to the game um but you had to you had to win it and you could only win one so, you know, they, they had some seasonal event and you go and you win it. And so everybody gets one, but only if you went and did that seasonal event. So if you want a second Nissan Pulsar, because by the way, you can't have multiple tunes for the same car. That's that's something yeah. on my, I, in my head. I have like a wish list that's hundreds of pages long for Forza Horizon 5. And I would love the ability to own one car but pay for multiple setups. So I have like an S1 rally setup. I have an A, A-class rally setup. I have an A-class Agreed. road setup. For, you know what I mean? And I'll, I'll happily pay for the parts for each of those. And, just, and then just let me choose. When I'm picking the car, let me choose which variant of that car I want to run. I don't want to actually have to buy two Nissan Pulsars in order to have one that's good for the road and one that's good for, for rally. Um, but what you end up with is... This crazy economy where a McLaren Senna on the auction house might be worth 100,000 credits because everybody got one for free in the mail 
And there was an, a seasonal event where you get one for free for free for winning, and it was super duper easy. So there's just you know everybody's got three McLaren Sennas, and it just drives the value of it way way down. So you could you know start the game and buy a McLaren Senna on the auction house for and this I'm, it's not a real life example. I'm just making this up, but you could buy a supercar for extremely cheap. Uh, or you you might end up going on the auction house and seeing a C class bone stock Nissan Pulsar for 10 million credits. And you're going, why in your head? You know, I'm brand new to this game. Yeah. Why is a C-class Nissan Pulsar 10 million credits and the McLaren Senna is 100,000? We're talking 1% the value and one, but it's it's way, way faster. And, you know, it still has all the same kind of range. It could be customized and everything like that. So it, it gets really, really weird. But I'm I'm with you on this, John. So uh, I'm with you on that, Tom. I like the auction house. I like that you can you know earn a car and then sell it to to people, and you know it's live and everything like that. I think it you know it's it's great. It's amazing to see how active the auction house still is. But at the same time, I yearn for the old days of progression. Um, and this is a 36 year old man speaking now. I just, I just wish it was like when I was a kid. You know what I mean? When you, you, you get into Gran Turismo or uh, Tokyo Extreme Racer Zero, another great example from a previous podcast episode. For those that are listening in, every episode, uh, you get in, you start at the bare bottom, you know, and and you have to work to get to get higher up. I think um, Gran Turismo One was a great example of this. They had the career mode where you start at the bottom and work your way up. And then they had an arcade mode where you could just pick any car. Exactly. You could pick any car exactly. you want. You could drive at any at any track. And that's great. You know, for people that want to just jump into a Viper on day one, that's great. I, I applaud you for that. But I want slow, methodical stuff. I want to start, you know, in a mini, a, a bone stock mini, and I want to win 500 credits for doing a 10-minute race. And then I want to buy a 500-credit muffler for it or exhaust system that gives it five more horsepower and just makes it a little bit easier to win the next. You know what I mean? I yearn for that kind of stuff, but I, I wonder if this generation likes that because obviously 24 million people uh, have, have played Forza Horizon four, you know, it's, it's clearly some kind of, they've got a winning formula on their hands. I, I mean, it seems that people like, you know, doing these super wheel spins and getting a Senna on day one. Uh, I, I mean, John, you've already you've already told us essentially that how you feel about this. I, I do want to hear, Tom, your thoughts on it. But, John, you were going to go. No, uh, just real quick. Like, I, I'm with you on, on that one. I, I think, though, that with this game there are so many good things and obviously i've only been playing it for a few days and i've got a list like you justin of things that's frustrated me about it yeah i'm still loving playing it and i, I feel it's like that arcade <laughs> yeah that two yeah. modes would maybe make sense you know having the mode where you really have to build for it or if you really want you can just go and drive the other cars for fun but you maybe don't win any credits for winning races or you can pick any car but it doesn't progress you in the same way something like that yeah tom how did you feel about the progression yeah, I think I feel like I, I already already said it, and I agree with everyone. Everyone else, you, you, you get a little bit too much too soon, but then also there's not much incentive to switch out the cars too much. However, the yep. the, the choice of cars is is so um, eclectic that's really good. So then you sort of over time learn. Ah, okay, the mechanic and the the joy is maybe to try and get all the cars, kind of like a Pokemon yeah. or something. So so that's um, that's that's really the appeal of it. Yeah, yeah, Pokemon. So you, uh, after a while, you you get you get 
you sort of put aside your previous feelings of progression a little bit, even though I'd still like it that way, and you get used to the sort of the, the new way and the super wheel spins, which I'm not hugely a fan of, but I get, they are they are <laughs> they do get a nice feeling when you get something that's uh, special from them. Yeah, yeah, and honestly, I could do uh, I could and, and and maybe I'll end up doing this at some point, but I could do a huge wish list. Wish list. But again, it's it's my game of decade probably it's the most fun that i've ever had with with a racing wheel as well too uh as john said it's just you know there's just times where it's absolutely incredible i have been that guy as well telling all of my sim racing friends you've got to try it on a wheel i think especially on thrustmaster wheels though um microsoft had a bit of a relation i don't know if this is still going on but microsoft had a bit of a relationship with thrustmaster going on around the time that horizon 3 was coming out on pc and stuff so it seems just very Thrustmaster friendly, which has worked out great for me since I have a TMX and a T300. It's all been very easy, kind of like plug and play. I don't have to worry about it too much. Whereas my friends with Fanatec wheels and, uh, you know, uh, hydraulic handbrakes and and all H-pattern shifters and clutches and stuff like that, they end up having more problems getting the game to work and, and getting it to a state where it can be as fun as it is for me. I suppose uh, uh, using one of those setups to play Forza Horizon 4 is a bit like using a samurai sword to chop up your lunch. It's a bit... bit exactly. It, but it's it's what I want to do. It's like literally my life goal is to get a racing rig just so I can play Forza Horizon games on it because it really is the most fun that I've ever had on my wheel. I mean, I've played maybe 20 different racing games uh, over the last nine years uh, or eight years on uh, on my racing wheel. And uh, and honestly, Forza Horizon 4 is as is the most fun I've had. It's not the most realistic. It's not the best the best looking. Uh, it's not the uh, it doesn't have the best frame rate. You know, it, it's not the best in a lot of uh, metrics that racing fans might use to determine what is a good racing game. Um, but it's got so much going for it. There's, and as we've pointed out in this one, we actually talked about more problems than I expected. It does have problems, and all three of us agree that that's the case. And yet all three of us agree that it is an absolutely incredible game. And it is for that reason that ending the week of March 14th, Forza Horizon 4 took second and fifth place for purchases on Steam. The, the standard edition was top second, edition. and the deluxe edition was fifth. It wasn't just top 10. It was two of the top 10. And I think the ultimate mm. edition was just outside the top 10 as well, too. So, uh, you know, I think it was only behind Valheim. And Valheim is like, you know, just like absolutely blowing up. Nothing can touch Valheim. So if you ignore Valheim, it was first and fourth for Steam sales ending the week of March 14th. And I Crazy. think that's a good place where we can end this podcast episode. I did actually have more bullet points, but we'll go ahead and stop it there. Maybe we'll save it for another Forza. Just, Maybe we'll just we do like, Forza Horizon just 5. Just like the game that's too big, it's too much, and we just move <laughs> yeah. on at some point. Exactly. Exactly. Just like the the Horizon franchise itself. So um, maybe maybe we'll go in and we'll talk we'll talk more about Forza Horizon Five in a future episode. So uh, thanks everybody for tuning in though to the Traction Podcast. As always, we want to hear from you. So send us a message on Traction at Traction GG on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Let us know your thoughts on Forza Horizon Four. Also, feel free to subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can see the video version of this podcast. And you subscribe. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple, and Google as always. Keep it pinned, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. See ya.